Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in the book of Revelation. Last time we read chapter 1. We discussed that a little bit. Chapter 1, I had already done an intro, and chapter 1 is also kind of like an intro in its own way. But at the end of chapter 1, the Lord is explaining the mystery of the seven stars. He's saying those are the seven um, angels for the seven churches, and the seven golden lampstands are the seven churches. And, you know, these stars and these churches, or these lampstands, they go together. The, the angel, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And he's sending a message to each of the churches. Now, here in chapter 2, he's going to do four, the Lord is going to do four of the messages. The message to Ephesus, the message to Smyrna, and the message to Pergamum, and the message to Thyatira. Thyatira. I may not say that exactly right, but that's pretty close. Thyatira. So he's going to give those four messages in this chapter, the way this is broken up. And I know men broke this up, so the Lord didn't break it up this way. But nonetheless, we're going to go this chapter at a time. So I'm going to start here with the message to Ephesus. This is in this is Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, and I am reading in the Amplified Bible. To the angel, divine messenger of the church in Ephesus, write, These are the words of the one who holds firmly the seven stars, which are the angels or messengers of the seven churches, in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, the seven churches. I know your deeds and your toil and your patient endurance and that you cannot tolerate those who are evil and have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, special messengers, personally chosen representatives of Christ, and in fact are not and have not, no wait, and in fact are not and have found them to be liars and imposters. In other words, When imposters and deceivers came to them, they tested them and found them to be liars and imposters. And I know that you who believe are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake, and that you have not grown weary of being faithful to the truth. But I have this charge against you, that you have left your first love, you have lost the depth of love that you first had for me, So remember the heights from which you have fallen and repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Seek God's will. And do the works you did at first, when you first knew me. Otherwise, I will visit you and remove your lampstand, the church, its impact, from its place unless you repent. Yet you have this to your credit, that you hate the works and corrupt teachings of the Nicolaitans, the that misled and delude the people, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear, and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes the world through through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, I will grant the privilege to eat the fruit from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. I apologize for that noise. I, I do this on my Xbox. Occasionally things are happening. <laughs> so I'm sorry about that. Nonetheless, um, so <clears throat> if we look here at the message 
See, I think what we should be doing with each of these messages is we should be examining ourselves. Take each of these messages personally and also as as a congregation we should also be looking at each of these messages one by one and examining ourselves and seeing how do we hold up, how do we fare. I think it's extremely important in this day and time that we look at these messages and see you know, compare that to ourselves and see, are we making the same mistakes? Are we, do we have these same errors? And then, then make those corrections. Um, even just on a personal level, it's great. But also, I think as a congregation, we should do that in our, in our own individual congregations. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so if we just go back and we're just going to look at the message to Ephesus first. You know, I know your deeds and your toll. I know the things you've done and in your work for me, your patient endurance, and that you cannot tolerate those who are evil and have testedly and critically appraised. In other words, they tested and critically looked at people who came to them saying they were apostles. And in fact, they weeded out. Now I'm going to very much paraphrase. They, they weeded out the bad guys. They weeded out the wolves in sheep's clothing, the imposters, the liars. They weeded them out. And the Lord also says he knows they are enduring patiently <clears throat> and bearing up for his namesake and that they've not grown weary. Now, can we say this about us? You know, are, are we doing deeds that Jesus will be able to say, I know your deeds and your work? Are, are we patiently enduring you know, are we patiently enduring and waiting for the Lord, regardless of what our society and country is doing and, you know, the way people are acting and things they are doing? Does that, is that, is that upsetting us and tearing us away? Or are we patiently enduring that? Because we, we need to. I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's just, it's something we have to do. We can't, you know, we can't just like, God is not going to make these people act correctly. He offers them the chance, but um, they have to accept that and go for it. Uh, you know, we're not going to be able to make people act differently either. So are we testing the people that come to us? Are we making sure that they're not imposters and deceivers? You know, are we enduring patiently and bearing up for the Lord's name? So are we bearing up? You know, are we bearing up for... For Christ's name's sake, are we standing for him? I, I believe most of us probably are. Now, have we have we not grown weary? Have we not grown weary? Now, this says of being faithful to the truth, but I'm, I'm going to think of this as, have we not grown weary of maybe doing the good deeds, doing the good works? I, I think sometimes, now, and I'm, this is very generalization. This is very subjective. This is not me trying to put down anyone in particular or anything. I think sometimes that some of us have. I, I from time to time, you know, we have down days and things. You know what I mean? We have a down day where we're not maybe not feeling good or not. Maybe we're not spiritually as there as we should be that day. You, you know, I mean, we're human. We we have these we have these temporary issues and times and you know some days you feel maybe even spiritually tired and uh, you know kind of weary so you know we want to make sure that 
that when we have, I mean, because we can have times like that, and that's, we're human, it's understandable, we, we need to, you know, try to refresh ourselves and recharge ourselves, you know, through God's Word and through prayer and through um, praise and thanksgiving. But he, he continues, he also says, you know, I have this charge against you. Let's say even if we've not grown weary, if we've, you know, held up and we're still doing good deeds and doing everything we should be doing, well then, he says, so have you lost, you know, have you, well no, he says, but I have this against you that you have left your first love. In other words, have we lost that first enthusiastic love of God and the Lord. You know, imagine back when we were first baptized. All of us have, and it's it's normal, all of us have this real strong inclination and, and love of the Lord and God, and we want to try to do everything we can. But, but over time, you know, is life dragging us down off of that, let's call that a mountain of love, that we're up on this mountain for God, for the Lord. But over time, is, is life, is the day-to-day cares, you know, dragging us down, maybe chipping away at that so that our love becomes dull, becomes less of what it should be? You know, is that happening? Is that happening to us? We have to, this is part of examining ourselves. This is not me trying to accuse anybody of anything. We're all different, and each of us will find that some of these things are going to apply to us, and some do not. And that's perfectly, again, that's normal, because we're human. We're all different. But are we finding that? Because sometimes we find that some days, maybe, maybe our love and enthusiasm is not there like it should be. You know? And uh, he says, he says, remember the heights from which you have fallen. Remember where we were. Remember how we were. You know, repent. Repent from from this. Um, it can be complacency or it can be just almost like a depression where we're just not, you know, we're just losing. You know, there's that old song, you've lost that loving feeling, just that just that we've lost that um, that enthusiasm and that that kind of gung-ho spirit for the Lord and God, you know, we're just complacent and we're content to sit back. And uh, and he, he warns us, you know, if, if we're in that position, okay, then he warns us to repent and do the works you did at first. In other words, when we first knew the Lord and we first came to the Lord and we were enthusiastic and we were really in love with the Lord and God and and being a Christian, you know, we need to try to always keep that enthusiasm, keep that love fresh and renewed. And the only way to do that that I know of is the Lord and to spend time with Christians and to, you know, go to church and praise and, and learn new things, you know, spend time in the Word, you know. All these things, study and try to learn more. That's the only way I know to keep for one to keep themselves refreshed and to keep going. Because we all have our, our down times and our down moments and our bad days. And that that is normal. We're human and that's understandable. But we can't let those become a habit and become something that holds us back. You know, we can't <clears throat> quit giving our best. We can't just stop 
you know, and say, well, you know, this is good enough. That's close enough for government work, if you've ever heard that phrase. You know, we can't, we don't want to have that attitude. We don't, we don't, we just don't want to have that attitude. Then he turns again and he, he credits them. The Lord turns and credits them again that they, they hate the works and the corrupt teachings of the Nicolaitans, which were some known, some known false teachers and false, it was a false sect of people who um, I read up on that a little bit. Now, not a ton. I'm certainly not any expert. But they appear to have been a group of people who believed that you could go ahead and do any sin that you wanted since you were already baptized and, you know, saved and you were going to go to heaven. And, and they had other wrong beliefs similar in that fashion that they believed you could just, you know, go ahead and be immoral and do whatever. And it was okay because you had already been baptized and, and cleansed and forgiven. So it's okay. And that goes directly against other teachings, and we know that that's not correct, and that's not the way God wants us to be. So, we know that's wrong. But then, so, and that's, and that's good, that we, you know, hopefully we have that to our credit as well. Hopefully we are testing the spirits, making sure that everything agrees with the Word of God, make sure that, like, like, a, like me, make sure that whatever I'm saying and reading is from the actual Word of God. It's from the Bible and that you can read along and make sure that it's correct. And make sure that I'm not saying something weird or wrong, which if I do say something wrong, I just want to know. Um, but nonetheless, he says, now, he says, he who has a ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, we're, you know, we should evaluate and examine ourselves and make sure and that goes for our congregations too as a group we should you know we should be evaluating ourselves but then he gives us a promise to him who overcomes i will grant to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of god now that is the very thing that we would want to eat of that adam and eve did you know, God said, whoa, before, no, we don't want y'all to eat that. Because now, now you've got all this death and bad stuff in you. We don't want you to eat that now. We don't want you to live eternally in that condition. And so he pushed them out of the garden so they would not have access to the tree of life. So realize the promise he's giving here. If we, if we can overcome, if we can stay true to the faith and keep up our, our, uh, our good works and our good deeds, and keep up our love of God and love of Christ. Notice what he's promising us, what he's offering to us, is something that was denied from the very beginning. Well, not from the very beginning, but from the time they were, you know, cast out of the Garden of Eden because of now they had taken on this sinful nature and they were worshiping Satan, basically, you know, because they believed Satan over God, which was really their major sin, was they were making God out to be a liar. You know, they believed Satan over God, and that was, you know. Nonetheless, so there, they could not eat of the tree of life, and, and God did not want them to be in that state forever. So, so that's something that he's offering to us in this case, though. All right, so now I want to move on. The next message is the message to Smyrna, and it starts here in verse 8. 
I'm going to try to take each one of these individually, and I hope that's okay. I think that helps make it, uh, for me, it helps it make more sense, and it helps me uh, take it in better. It helps me understand it better. Okay, so this is the message to Smyrna, starting in verse 8. And to the angel, divine messenger of the church in Smyrna, these are all right. I left out the word right. These are the words of the first and the last, absolute deity, the Son of God, who died and came to life again. I know your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich, and how you are blasphemed and slandered by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. They are Jews only by blood and do not believe and truly honor the God whom they claim to worship. Fear nothing that you are about to suffer. Be aware that the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested in your faith, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful to the point of death, if you must die for your faith, and I will give you the crown, consisting of life, he who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God will not be hurt by the second death, the lake of fire. So here, this is more of an encouragement and warning to the church of Smyrna that they are, you know, they are suffering, they are suffering uh, tribulation, they are being blasphemed and slandered against. Um, it says, but they are rich, and they are rich spiritually. They are rich in heavenly blessings because due to, they're suffering for the cause of the Lord. And that's why they're suffering. And, and he talks about these, these Jews that are, you know, that are blaspheming and slandering them, that they are a synagogue of Satan. They are only Jews by blood. They don't believe and honor God. And he says, fear that you are, fear nothing that you are about to suffer. So see, we, we sometimes wonder about these end times, these end days. Are we, you know, are we going to be like this? Are we going to know suffering and, and like earthly suffering and poverty? Are we going to have to bear up under such things? You know, we already, to some degree, we already feel a little bit like Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah, that the things we see around us and the things people do are, you know, they're bothersome to us in ways when they're, you know, when they're wholly sinful and it bothers our, our hearts. Um, it doesn't make us hate these people. It makes us want to help these people, but they, you know, but a lot, a lot refuse, even though we offer to help or try to help. But nonetheless, I mean, we have to examine ourselves here and say, you know, are we willing to bear up under whatever we need to suffer to, to stay true to the Lord and manage, even if we're thrown into prison or if our faith is tested, you know, and we have tribulation or maybe even we have to be faithful to the point of death. Can we do that? And are we afraid of that? We, we need to not be afraid of that. It's, ha, I say that it's not easy. I, I, I know good and well that I'm a human and I'm going to have fear to contend with. I understand that. So I'm not trying to make light of any of that. I know um, for me, myself, I have not been tested in such a fashion and I have no idea how I would be in that moment. 
Okay, I'm just going to be, we have to be honest with ourselves, and I don't know. I do know that fear is an extremely strong emotion, and when push comes to shove, different people have different reactions, and it's very difficult to to get yourself to react logically and calmly when you're terrified. And I mean, terror, when you have true terror, that's, that's, you, you're like, like out of control, you're so afraid. It's just, it's, it's over, it can be overwhelming. And he's, he's telling us not to be afraid, you know, fear nothing that you're about to suffer and be aware, you know, and, and it may come our time and in our time at some point, it may come a time where some people are thrown into prison. And, you know, that does happen in other countries. That, that has happened, does happen, is happening in other places. We're blessed to live in this country and not have those types of issues. But he says that if we can just be faithful, even to the point of death, that he will give us the crown of life. He will give us the crown of life and he who overcomes, he who makes it through, will not be hurt by the second death. In other words, you will not experience the lake of fire. You will not perish. You, you will not face that spiritual death. All right, so I'm going to move on to the next message. The next message is to Pergamum, and it starts in verse 12. And to the angel, divine messenger of the church in Pergamum, write, These are the words of him who has and wields the sharp two-edged sword in judgment, now that being the word of God. I know where you dwell, a place where Satan sits enthroned. Yet you are holding fast to my name, and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, or Antipas. Okay, I should have looked that word up too. Antipas. Okay. Even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed, martyred among you, where Satan dwells. So he was the leader of their congregation from a note here. He was the leader of their church, and he was, he was martyred. But I have a few things against you, because you have there some among you who are holding to the corrupt teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. Enticing them to eat things that had been sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of sexual immorality. Now, he's referring to these teachings of Balaam back in the past were, um, let's see, uh, in the time of the Exodus, the king of Moab had hired Balaam to curse Israel. So, so he's referring to an old thing. He's saying we're holding on to, no, because we have some who are holding on to the teaching of that. The, the bad, you know, this, another, um, wrong, wrong teaching, uh, false, false teaching. You also have some who, in the way, are holding to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. So again, false teaching. And we'd already spoken some about that. Therefore, repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Seek God's will. Or else I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war and fight against them with the sword of my mouth in judgment. 
He who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, to him I will give the privilege of eating some of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone with a new name engraved on the stone, which no one knows except the one who receives it. So this too. Well, let's let's back up. So here, and I may have gotten off track a little bit. I was going to do these in a, in a different way, but I kind of started talking about this in Pergamum as we went. So there are under they first of all in Pergamum. Okay, Pergamum is in a place that is definitely not Christian friendly. Okay, they are definitely being. I mean, their their leader was uh, martyred. They're definitely being. Um, I can't think of the right word right now. Persecuted. There we go. And Satan dwells there. So I mean, it's definitely a bad place to be for for Christians for them. Or you know, are we? Is our world heading that way? Or do we live in such a place now? That's something we have to look at and kind of think about. Sometimes I feel like we're heading down that road. I don't. I don't think we're there yet, but I do think we're heading that way. And then he says what he has against them. You know, he's he's. I see he's um, praising them for holding fast to his name and to not denying the faith, even when um, Antipas was was uh, martyred, and the fact that they live in a very horrible place. But he says you're holding on to some who have false teachings, who have corrupt teachings. Um, there's some who have the corrupt teaching of Blom, and some who have the the false teaching of the Nicolaitans, and it's. These bad, wrong teachings that lead you to immoral acts and committing, um, well, committing wrong, wrongful acts, you know, things that are against the Word of God, things that are against uh, the Lord, the way He would have us be. You know, we need to make sure that we're not following any false teachings or anything like that, not holding on to any of those immoral teachings, things that are telling us, oh, it's okay for you to do that, even though, you know, even though you know it's not, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's false teachings. It's things that you know, you know, we know are not true. If, if, you, if you study the Word and you know it's not true, and we don't want to follow those false teachings under any circumstance, you know, we want to make sure that we know the Word of God so that we're not falling for that. He says, therefore, repent again, repent. Or, now, here's kind of a threat. I'm coming to you quickly and will make war and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. In other words, they will be judged. And we know that back in the early days of the apostles, people could face sudden judgment. There wasn't... You know, now we have now we have the Bible, and we we know all these, and we can read all these events when they happened. We can learn about that judgment, you know. But back then, examples were made. Things had to happen a certain way because, you know, they did not have the Bible. They needed to make an impact. That's why the miracles happened. And then on the other hand, that's why some quick judgment happened sometimes. Not a lot, but it did happen some. So, <clears throat> then the Lord says to him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, 
and I will give him a white stone. Now, the manna, of course, is supernatural food that, that God provided, so, you know, some of us would be interested in knowing what that is and what's that, what that's like. But then he also says, and this is something unique to me that I'm not, I'm not sure I've heard of before other than reading here in Revelation. Um, to him who overcomes, he will also give him a white stone with a new name engraved that only the one who receives it will know. So, now there's a note here, and, and I had not heard of this custom either, but there's a note here in the text. White stones were sometimes used as tickets of admission to public assemblies. Here, the white stone may symbolize admission to the Messiah's banquet. In other words, the heavenly banquet, the heavenly feast. That would be our invitation inside. So, so he says, I will give him a white stone with a new name engraved on the stone, which no one knows except the one who receives it. So... That is a promise of an assurance at the table, the Lord's table, entrance to the feast. So now, I think we're on the last one. I'm going to read the message to Thyatira. It's a little longer than some of the others. It starts in verse 18. And to the angel, divine messenger of the church in Thyatira, write, these are the words of the Son of God, who has eyes that flash like a flame of fire and righteous judgment, and whose feet are like burnished white-hot bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your last deeds are more numerous and greater than the first. But I have this charge against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, claiming to be inspired, and she teaches and misleads my bondservants so that they commit acts of sexual immorality and eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, to change her inner self and her sinful way of thinking, but she has no desire to repent of her immorality and refuses to do so. Listen carefully. I will throw her on a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her I will bring into great anguish unless they repent of her deeds, and I will kill her children, followers, with pestilence, thoroughly annihilating them, and all the churches will know without any doubt that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, the innermost thoughts, purposes. And I will give to each one of you a reward or punishment according to your deeds. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not explored and known the depths of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you, except to hold tightly to what you have until I come. And he who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, and he who keeps my deeds doing things that please me until the very end, to him I will give authority and power over the nations, and he shall shepherd and rule them with a rod of iron, as the earthen pots are broken in pieces. As I also have received authority and power to rule them from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. So, 
this last message is primarily dealing with, and we know, we know this has always been a big problem. This was a big problem back in the early church. The major thing is, at first he starts off, as he has before with some of the others, I know your deeds and your love and your faith and service and patient endurance, that your last deeds are more numerous and greater than the first. Is is that not how we should be? Is that not how we should be growing in God's love and not not having it? dulled and not having us ourselves pulled down or pulled back into complacency and and maybe apathy but we should be encouraged and our our last deeds should be greater than our first deeds we should be growing and that's i mean we have to examine ourselves are we growing are we moving forward are we doing more or are we stagnating are we slipping back are we just treading water and holding on or are we, are we moving forward? Are we making progress? Are we doing better and doing more for the Lord? It's, it's a question to ask ourselves. It's, it's something we have to examine ourselves and make sure. And then, you know, because we want, the reason is we want our last deeds to be more numerous and greater than our first deeds. We want to be growing and moving forward in our love of the Lord and in following the Lord. And what we do here for others, that's what we're doing for the Lord. Jesus made that very plain. You know, when we help the poor and the needy or, you know, anyone like that, when we help others, we're doing that for the Lord. So it's something to, we need to always keep that in mind and remember that. But he still has this charge if, if this applies to us, he would still have this charge against us that we tolerate. Now, in this case, the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, and she's not. She's misleading. She's misleading Christians and so that they commit acts of immorality, you know, and things, things that are bad, you know, and they're being involved with idols. I think that's probably the real issue. Not so much that they eat this food, but that they're being involved with idols. Because we know that eating food, food is food, and it's it's not really a big deal. It's only if you put some special meaning behind it or to it that it becomes an issue. Um, so if you're somehow involved with these idols and, you know, you're doing these things, that can be very bad. Um he mentions that he gave her time to repent, and of course she has no desire to repent. Are we, are we like this? Are we, you know, are we tangled up in things we shouldn't be tangled into, in up in? Are we, are we tangled up with idols? Maybe we're consumed or obsessed with worldly things that we shouldn't be, that we should not be involved in. You know, these are things we need to think about. Again, examine ourselves, make sure we're not getting caught up in things that we should not be. And that we're not getting lured and misled by other things. And then if we find ourselves in a situation where we're in the wrong, we need to be ready to repent. And repent, you know, wholeheartedly and change our ways. And, you know, because repenting without changing your ways is not truly repenting. So I mean really repent and and change ourselves. You know, that's what we need to do if that's what's going on with us. Because we do not want to be judged, you know, in this way that he, he mentions here as far as 
her being on a bed of sickness and then her followers will be wiped out and you know these are these are not good things so we want to make sure that we are not tolerating this type of um false teaching a false prophetess or whatever we want to make sure that we're not following any anybody who's teaching falsely or speaking falsely we want to make sure that we're following the lord properly and correctly and you know we need to examine ourselves and make sure that we judge what's being taught and spoken and we judge it against the word the word of god and make sure that it it measures up and it's correct and then he also says that he will give to each one of us according to our deeds in other words he will reward or punish us according to our deeds okay now and it's kind of funny but that is meant to go along with kind of her followers. It kind of goes along with her followers because he's saying, you know, if you're doing wrongly, then you're going, you know, you're, what you receive according to your deeds is going to be bad. And then if you're doing correctly, you're going to receive good. You're going to receive a reward. And he says to the rest of you who don't hold to this false teaching, who don't believe in this false teaching and are not exploring, you know, like he calls it the depths of Satan. So if you're not getting involved in that and not participating or experiencing this this evil stuff. Now it's different if you thought it was right and you went and you immediately are, you're like, whoa, no, this is wrong and you, you got out of it. That's That's different. Anyone might, for a moment, believe that they're doing something that's correct and then find out it's wrong. But we're talking about someone who who just goes and enjoys it and is going along with it and, you know, accepting it and doing it. You know, someone who's really exploring it and experiencing it, known the depths of Satan, as he says here. So really going, you know, whole hog. Okay, not someone who just, you know, maybe they were misled for a moment and then they're like, whoa, no, I'm not doing that. You know, not not that type of exception. This is someone who knows, he says that, um, known and known the depths of Satan, explored and known the depths. So, so the others, the others who have not done this, who have not gone this route and have not believed in this false teaching, he says, I place no other burden on you except to hold tightly to what you have, which is what do we have? We have our belief in the Lord until he comes. We have our belief and the love of God, and that's what we're to hold on tightly to and we're to continue doing he mentions here, he who keeps my deeds, in other words, keep doing the things that the Lord wants us to do until the end. This is his promise. To him I will give authority and power over the nations, and he shall shepherd and rule them with a rod of iron as the earthen pots are broken in pieces. As I also have received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star, meaning that he will give Whoever keeps his deeds, he will give them this authority, just as that authority has been given to him from God the Father. And he says, I will give him the morning star. Now, the morning star, I'm not exactly sure how to look at that. It is probably it is it's got to be something very special because I, Jesus is known as the morning star. So I'm not sure exactly what the what the significance of that is, but it 
it would be great. It would be great. Um, it would be wonderful, and it would, it would seem that you would have an even closer, better relationship with Jesus. But, you know, there again, this is one of those things that I'm not 100% sure of. It seems like it would be a great thing, though, a wonderful thing. Say, and then he, he ends it, of course, with he who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. And that, that is the end of chapter 2. And I know I've gone long, but I thought we should look at each of these letters. And we just need to read these and evaluate ourselves and evaluate our congregations. And, and, and I mean together. Don't sit back and judge your congregation by yourself. That's kind of rude. <laughs> I mean, we don't want to do that. I don't mean it that way. But I mean as a group, sometimes we need to evaluate ourselves, examine ourselves. But also personally, we, we need to do that too, both ways. And, uh, you know, as the Lord's churches, we should, you know, we're responsible for things. We're responsible for showing God's love for being that bright light in the community um, and if we're not doing that, then, then we have something wrong. Then we've been dulled down. We've been dimmed by the world. And we don't want that. You know, maybe we're, well, anyway, I don't want to get into a lot of needless speculation. That would be wrong. But we just want to make sure that we're examining ourselves in every way we can to make sure that we're staying true to the Lord, and also keeping up our enthusiasm and our encourage one another and edify one another to keep, to keep going, to keep on growing in our belief and our love, you know, to keep on growing in that for one another and for all men, but also growing in the knowledge and wisdom and love of the Lord and God, we want to make sure we're continuing that at all times. That's that's the recipe for staying out of these troubles right here. I mean, that that is it. Staying in the Word, making sure that we're uplifting one another, and, uh, and just being encouraged and staying in prayer, and taking the time also to praise, praise and glorify God for and thank Him for all He's done for us. All right, so that is Revelation 2, chapter 2. I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. May God bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.